Hey, welcome to another episode of Manny Talks. My name is Manny De La Cruz, and I want to thank you for taking the time to come on today. Good morning. Happy Monday. Uh, probably are maybe slept in or feeling a little groggy after staying up and watching the Super Bowl. And while most people were watching the Super Bowl, well, I'm not going to lie. I watched about half of it, and I did get an awesome chance to look at that awesome halftime show with all that Latino representation. So that was really cool to see in this day and age. But then about halfway through after that, I was uh, asked to be part of STEM Media's Sunday night uh, vlog, or I guess I'll say a live Instagram uh, broadcast. And so this is probably going to be the freshest, quickest episode that you get. Uh, I'm Here I am right now. It's 10.52 p.m. I'm recording this intro. I am an hour past my gold set goal set uh, time, but I want to bring this uh, episode to you and this uh, recorded interview that Dr. Nehemiah Mabry did of me, where I got to share a little bit of my story, and I was very humbled and appreciative that they invited me onto that uh, Sunday night uh, Instagram live session. Uh, I've been uh, other awesome people have been on there, so I really encourage you if you don't already know about STEM media, look them up, look at the, for them on Instagram and they do this uh, virtual summit that they do and they're getting ready to do it in the fall. I heard about it uh, and was uh, active on their channel as a participant uh, this last fall. It was an incredible virtual summit, some incredible talent that went on it. And uh, I got to know Dr. Nehemiah and there's another character, Mr. Fantastic, Justin, that you should be looking up if you haven't already. Uh, friends from ship like Fernando Ceballos and Brian Martin were also uh, have shared their stories on uh, STEM media as uh, part of the STEM summit, as well as the uh, as part of the, I believe, the Instagram live on Sunday. So, again, uh, this is his show, his opportunity. He was gracious enough to let me and, and agreed to let me record it and use it on my podcast because I just want you guys to one, uh, hear what they have to offer, hear Dr. Nehemiah and what he's about and some of the things that he, th he talks about. Uh, but also it's part of my story. So here we are as always, as always, as always, I, I look forward to your comments and your feedback and overall, let me know what you're thinking of this uh, podcast, and I will resume with some awesome interviews, as I've said, coming up. I have a couple of entrepreneurs, and getting into Valentine's Day here in February, I'm going to have a few, uh, maybe one or two conversations around uh, relationships and chasing a STEM career, and what is that like? So I look forward to having those as part of the February lineup. Uh, as always, I look forward to this conversation and thank you for choosing to spend an hour of your time listening to this podcast. Yes, I am your host, Dr. Nehemiah Mabry, and I aspire to inspire. I'm excited man, because, yeah, I heard uh, there's some rumor going around that somewhere in the country, United States, I think it's some contest happening tonight. I don't know. Maybe y'all know about it in Miami or something like that in Florida. Um, that's cool. I'm sure they're having a good time. Shout out to everybody down there. But shout out to you if you're watching this on replay or if you're watching this live, man. I'm super happy to have you because our guest this evening is phenomenal. No exception to any other time. Um, we're going to be joined by Manny De La Cruz, everybody. Um, but first, I got to tell y'all something, man. You know what? When it comes to doing this, I have to let you know that it is your DMs, it is your comments, it is your engagement that lets us know that this is valuable. We have so many people that offer so many different types of value in the STEM community. And I have to tell you, for those of you who always be sure to send a message to say, hey, thanks for the show. People are always intentional to reach out and say thank you. It just keeps us going. So thank everybody out here for joining us. Thanks for, for being on the live. Jen, thanks for coming through. Um, and Manny, I can tell you, he indeed um, is looking to bring a lot of value. We had a little bit of conversation. This is a brother who I have had the pleasure of meeting and knowing a little bit more during our STEM Success Summit last couple of months ago. And he's going to be talking about engineering recruitment insights for internships and your next job. Now, I don't know about you, but the truth of the matter is, is more than likely you're going to be looking for a job at some point. I don't know. I'm not trying to get you in trouble with your current boss, 
but you're going to be out in the market. You're going to be looking for a job. And so I believe that in this conversation, you're going to get some insight. We're going to learn a little bit about his background. And so without further ado, let me go ahead and read his bio so I can bring him on to STEM Media Live this evening. Manny Eli Cruz is a native Texan born and raised in San Antonio, Texas. He grew up seeing the struggles of his parents that his parents went through as immigrants to the country. He learned a strong work ethic from his father and always worked. He met his wife, Alyssa, had kids, and found the motivation to go back to school after being out for six years. He graduated from UTSA with a mechanical engineering degree and currently works for ExxonMobil um, Corporation as an OnlyFans optimizer for the ExxonMobil Chemical Company. Manny has a passion for minority recruiting and is a strong supporter of SHIP. He is also a podcaster. You can listen to him on Manny Talks. Now, I have y'all to do me a favor. If you're here, let's start getting those hearts going. Let's get our applause together because we're about to welcome to STEM Media Live this evening, none other than my man, Manny De La Cruz. I see you. Boom. There you go. There we go. How's it going? What's up, man? Pretty good. How are you doing? Can you hear me okay? I'm good, man. I'm good. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Can you hear me well? I can hear you perfect, loud and clear. All right. Awesome, awesome. Man, little did I know you were going to have such an uh, engaging... Oh, my goodness. Shut it down right away. All right, I was about to say something else, but do y'all see the T-shirt he has on? Man, you see those hearts right there? That's your applause. That's your welcoming applause. This is what STEM success looks like. For those who don't know, that was the official T-shirt for the 2019 STEM Success Summit. And, Manny, hey, I don't know if anybody told you, but you were an MVP, man, of engagement of the community. And so, man, I'm just so happy that you're rocking the shirt right now, man. Look, it, it was, it was great. And I'm sure we'll get to, to that, uh, to that STEM media summit at some point, but I became a big fan real quick. And when I saw the shirt, I had to get uh, a few. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. We definitely appreciate that support. Say what up to the people out there. Viv wonders, how you doing? They're here joining you on this, on this evening. Um, there is no better. I don't care what they heard, Manny, but there's no better place than to be with you and I right now. Well, I'm just glad that at this moment in time, that halftime yeah. show is over. Because I don't know if you watched it. <laughs> I watched it. It was pretty good. And so that was my yeah. biggest My biggest fear was having to compete with, with Shakira and J-Lo. But I don't got to worry about that. I know, now. man. <laughs> I don't know if, I don't know if uh, two guys our age can compete with all that. So yeah. we didn't have to go head to head. That's a good thing. So, so I'm glad to hear there, there's going to be a replay for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, y'all give Manny some hearts for joining us once again. They gave you the applause. Manny, as they are uh, waiting with bated breath, we're going to start this interview, this chat off with a question of what is a random fun fact about yourself that someone who just heard your bio wouldn't expect to know about you? By the way, I see Viv says we get to, but we see you there. All right, right on. But go, go ahead. What's that fun fact, Manny? Look, so, and this is, a, this is the first time I've had to come out the gate talking about the fun fact. I usually throw it in, like, later once I kind of tell people about what I've done and, and kind of what my background, and then sometimes it softens the blow for what I'm about to say. But this okay, guy, okay. But this guy right here is an avid reality TV watcher. So, oh, uh, man. So, hey, so, listen. So as much you just... as... As I get into science, technology, engineering, and math, sometimes I just need yeah. to know who's the father, who's getting the rose. Oh, man. <laughs> if someone's getting arrested on live PD, sometimes I just have to know. I hear you, man. So so it's not even a guilty pleasure anymore. Now it's just like, hey, I like this type of entertainment. I, it, it's, <laughs> it, it's, it's a complete 180 from what I got to do on a day-to-day. -day, so it's once in a while, it's nice to completely go a different way. For sure. True. That is true, man. That's true. But you know what? They actually have had shows. I don't know if you heard the show Big Brain Theory. Yeah. It was on, like, Discovery for, like, one season. And it had, like, the, you know, the almost like the real-world effect. But they were trying to figure out who's going to be the top engineer. And they had all these challenges. Did you ever see that? No, I I was probably burning brain cells somewhere else. I can't say. <laughs> I can't no, say. No, that's all good. I feel like that would be your type of thing, man, because they had like interpersonal drama type going on. But at the same time, they were basically together to execute engineering tasks, man. Yeah, no, so yeah. <laughs> I wish I could say I was not productive with TV watching, but it's not the case. I got you, got you, got you, got you. Well, hey, man, listen, thank you for sharing that. I, I'm glad you were able to open that up because the truth of the matter is that somebody watching this right now can totally relate to you, yeah. even if they're not as bold enough to say it. Yeah. 
<laughs> I have found that out. Once I'm able to tell that to people, people are like, me too. And we start talking about shows and it just goes a completely exactly. direction. Exactly, exactly. Well, cool, man. Let's talk a little bit about uh, your journey, man. You, you, you're born and raised in tech, you're a native Texan. Tell us a little bit about your background as it relates to STEM and how you fall into it, man. Even your bio just had a lot of fun facts about it. But let's talk about first the fact that your parents were immigrants. You were born and raised in Texas. What were some of those early days like for you? So for me, and like and like I mentioned in the bio, right? So a big part of what I remember from growing up was like seeing what the what the kind of things my parents had to go through. Now I'm not going to say that hey, I was this small child, a teenager who was seeing the world as an adult, these are all hindsight comments. Like now that I'm older, I kind of can reflect back and see like, hey man, that must have right. been super tough for them. But in any event, yeah. so so my parents, uh, I was born in San Antonio, Texas, right? They had, uh, I was mm -hmm. their third child, so I'm one of five. And my dad always okay. worked, right? He always worked. So he, uh, was, for the longest time, was a cab driver for the city of San Antonio. He learned how okay. to speak English through talking to people that he was riding around, reading the newspaper, reading books. And one thing that he really got into, even back then, was a lot of self-help books. And uh, believe it or okay. not, so back then, he was a big uh, Anthony Robbins uh, uh, fan. Yeah. And so Tell I remember... Yeah. Yeah. So I remember him, like, he would take his, you know, when he was going off to work, he'd have his, you know, his, his lunch or whatever, and he had, like, a copy of... Uh, back then, the Awaken the Giant Within. So, I mean, these are kind of like memories yeah. I have looking back, especially later when I learned who Anthony Robbins was. I was like, hey, man, I kind of, my dad used to uh, uh, read this guy. Anyways, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, one thing I got from him and from my mom, too, because my mom, although she was, uh, she, she stayed at home once in a while, though, she would get part time jobs and she worked like housekeeping at hotels. Uh, she sold Avon. She made, you know, she made arts and crafts wow. and would resell them. And, and so I'll tell you wow. a story. So like when I was in middle school, uh, I started to help my parents uh, work at a flea market. So we would go to a garage sales or they would go to garage sales like Thursdays and Fridays. Uh, we'd find right. some items, we'd reclaim them and then sell them on the weekend. And so I started, I always worked, right? Like I knew I had a very strong work ethic from seeing mm -hmm. them. Like today you hear people say, oh, grind and what's your side hustle? Like, nope, that was it. Like, back, yep. you know. 20 years, you know, 20, you were ahead of the curve, man. You've yeah. been on that. I was getting on it really <laughs> early. And and I tell folks, like my mom, I say she's crafty. Like she would make uh, barrettes and bows and like the homecoming moms. And and look, certain times of the year when, when, when demand was high, you need a lot of little hands to kind of help put that together. So I do also right. have, I got some mad crafting skills. I can make... Uh, <laughs> Barrettes and fiesta hats, like the best of them, just stuff that you had to do to kind of help out uh, growing up. Right. So, anywho, so work ethic and 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 always having to work was something that I had in me very early on. What I didn't have mm -hmm. was uh, an example of college. Right. My dad would say he, okay. didn't, he didn't go to college. He finished high school. My mom finished like uh, elementary school. So I didn't have a bunch of engineers or college graduates around. And so when I got right. out of high school, uh, I had always been working in high school, right? I mean, even when I was in high school, I had multiple jobs and went to school. I always had money. So when you're young and 18 and you got an apartment, you got money in your pocket, like I didn't, school wasn't uh, something that I was thinking about. Um, it wasn't until like, uh, and, and look, this is not the example. I'm definitely a non-traditional student. Oh, I'm all student. good, man. It's your truth. Yeah. Tell us your truth. And so I got, you know, uh, I met my wife at a restaurant I was working at. And, okay. And uh, then started having kids. And then that's when it was like, oh, man, I could I could really mess these kids up if I don't do something other than waiting tables, you know? You wanted, you wanted to change the trajectory or, or change the cycle. Well, it was. Well, it was more. Well, at the point, I wish I could say that I was that good at that time. No, it was just like, look, okay. I know how much I made waiting tables. It was great for a okay. single guy, uh, but you start throwing kids and daycare and clothes and and futures, and it's just <laughs> tell like, me about it. I can do the math and say, hey, I'm not going to be able to do this. So uh, at the age of 25, I went back to school. You went back to school, man. But well, I actually have tons of respect for people like yourself, Manny, because. I, you know, I was actually, I went straight after high school and I went all the way through with my PhD. But all the time now being a parent, I'm like, 
how do people go back to school with so much responsibility? And so to hear your story and say you had kids, multiple, how many kids did you have at the time? At the time, two. You had two kids at a time, you were married, and you had all these, obviously, responsibilities and bills. And you didn't just go back to school just to get like a certificate. You went back to get a mechanical engineering degree, correct? Well, hold on. Was that? Pause. Okay, okay. All right, <laughs> I'm ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. Time out. So I went back to school. So in any job, like I said, I always worked. So I was working in okay. restaurants, I worked in warehouses, I worked as a, my last job I had. I was a service manager and eventually store director of a, of a, of a auto repair shop. So in every okay. one of those jobs, I even did door to door. I did telemarketing, door to door sales. <laughs> I mean, I had just, a, <laughs> I, I always worked. You were a hustler, okay? man. I was always yeah. working. But in all those jobs, the part that uh, in hindsight that I liked was training. I always liked showing people the ropes and getting a new person and teaching them how to do stuff and so on. And I, when I decided to go back to school, I was like, I'll go back to school to be a teacher. Okay. So I was okay. Back. Got you. Okay. And, and, Education. Yeah. And my wife at the time, she was working. So she had graduated. She was went to college. She got a business degree. She graduated, was working. And uh, when I went back to school, it was going to be to teach. To teach. And we had had this gotcha. conversation that said, hey, between the money you make and the money I make, you know, we're going to be fine. And I went to school. I started to, I took the, uh, the test, right? You have to take that, uh, what's it called? Like the ACT or SAT? It was, since I was non-traditional, it was just like, Hey, let's okay. just see where you're at. I forget. It was like, right. Okay. Got test. you. Got you. So when I did it, they're like, man, you don't even know how to count. You got to take remedial math. Mm. And so I kind of started some classes and I started doing well. Wow. And I remember it. Like it was yesterday. So uh, every college, and I'm seeing it now with the semester kicking off, schools will have these like department fairs and club fairs, right? Where mm-hmm. some organization sets the table up. They tell you about their department, their school, and so on. And I saw the uh, College of Engineering at San Antonio College. So I went to the community college mm-hmm. first. They had okay. this table. Uh, the group of the, at the time was named Mayas, uh, Latinos in Engineering and Science. They were promoting the College of Engineering at San Antonio College that transferred into UTSA. And they had this placard that said, starting salaries for engineers. And I forget. You saw those numbers. It was like 2000 (laughs) something. And I was like, "Uh, so mechanical engineering, I think it says something like $60,000, $70,000. I was like, so what's engineering about? They said it's a lot of math. Tell me more about this engineering thing. (laughs) Yeah, they said it's a lot of math. And if you're mechanically inclined, remember I told you I was working as a mechanic in a mechanic shop. I was like, oh, I could do that. And right, so okay. I switched my majors then. I took an intro to engineering class, uh, met a professor, Dr. Dimitri, who's still there at San Antonio College, great man. And then he's the one that really said, who, who got me thinking that I could do the uh, engineering. Because you could do it. That's You could do it. That's, that's still big ups, man. Tons of respect. Respect because it, as you saw, I'm sure, as we all saw, many people who've gone through STEM careers, like, they're not the easiest of majors that are out there. And it's not like you can get by never cracking your book outside of class or never spending time, you know, unless, you know, you just happen to be a natural genius. But I'm willing to bet, I'm pretty sure, and man, you had some nights where it was like, you know, children crying, you know, there's an important conversation you need to maybe have with your spouse and you have some assignment due the next day. Like, so how, how did you... One, handle it all, juggle it all. And two, what did you fall back on those moments when I'm sure you may have got a bad grade and it's like, yo, I, I don't even know, you know, how am I going to get get past this? Look, and like I said, I mentioned that I was married. And a big part of this, I, I would not, and this, I'm not just saying this because she's listening, but I wouldn't have not been able to do what I did if it wasn't for Alyssa. So wow. there, there was a moment, like when I started at SAC as a freshman, Yes, I mm-hmm. had left the break check where I was at full time, went back to waiting tables. At this point, she had got it started where she was working at an enterprise and she did a manager training program. She gotten promoted. Mm-hmm. So we made this switch. By the time I got to like my sophomore, junior year, classes were hard. Okay. I am not a natural genius. I have an attitude that says now, I, and even at the time, like I can learn anything, but it might take me longer. So I, when I got to those later classes, I could not go to class and, and work at the same time. So 
Right. Alyssa was Alyssa was the breadwinner. So she was a breadwinner for the last uh two, three years of me going to school. And anytime I kind of was like, uh, I can't do this, all I had to do was look in that room with the cribs and say, You got to. You don't have a choice. Awesome. Awesome. That was your why. Respect, man. Shout out to your wife, Alyssa. That's just incredible to have someone who has your back that is as invested in your your goals as you are. Um, just maybe playing a different role, you know, you know, um, setting the pick while you roll, you know, whatever it is. Like, it's just wonderful to have, uh, you know, someone who is on your team like that. So shout out to her for being, you know, being that backbone during that time. Uh, what's up, Millicent? What up? Uh the researcher coming through, I guess, from last week. Hey, y'all, I'm with Manny De La Cruz. He works for Exxon Mobil. He's a native Texan. He just told us about his uh, childhood coming up as a child of immigrants and the incredible work ethic that they display. And he also exercised as he went back to school as a non-traditional student with a wife and kids. And so uh, if y'all have any questions for him, feel free to drop it in. You're, you're more than welcome to ask a question, but we're going to go ahead and turn a corner a little bit, Manny. We're going to talk a little bit as now you are getting into this new career of, of engineering. Now, um, you went through class, got into your later classes, you couldn't work and do it. So you went all in to try to get through the uh, finish line of your mechanical engineering degree. Mm-hmm. How did you get the job at Exxon and what was sort of the early role that you got plugged into um, as this career change. Tell us all about that. Yeah, so in college, so another big reason that I was successful, and I'm a huge uh, advocate now of the of the student organizations. So I got at San Antonio College, there was a group called Mayas. Uh, Mayas? It was Latinos in Engineering and Science. It's like SHIP, but it was smaller. Uh, now okay. I'm very involved with SHIP, so, but same idea. So I got into this club. I went in as the free loading pizza eater, went to the first meeting and kind of saw some folks that looked like me, had some of the same goals as me, and we were all at SAC trying to do this STEM thing. So uh, I started to get involved and I went to a national conference and a leadership conference and I started to meet other professionals who could do it. And in it, because mm-hmm. of those conferences, I started to meet recruiters. Right. And, and so one of those recruiters, one of those companies was ExxonMobil and a great yeah. friend of mine and the guy that recruited me almost nine years ago now, John Flores. He saw me as a uh, freshman at SAC. That's when I first met him. And like I said, man, I was always grinding and I was always doing sales. And so I, I could talk to people, but it was very it was very for me. I thought I talked a big game. If you were any kind of professional. You were able to scratch and uh-huh. say, hey, this guy has potential, but it's not, it doesn't go as deep. So John Flores and, and his ExxonMobil recruiter, and along with others, because I entertained uh, offers from other companies, he saw something in me. And then that was the beginning of a very long-term relationship. So he yeah. started to, it turned into a mentorship and, and it's turned right. into, I would see him. Uh, so these student organizations, I know like even Nesby has it, right? And SWE have it where... They'll have at least two national conferences a year. One of them tends to be yep. like a leadership development. Regional. Right. Well, the leadership, regional, I guess yeah. the regional too, right? So even up to three, you can right. have like a regional, you can have some leadership conference and you have some national right. symposium or whatever. So I would see John two, three times a year. And every time it was like status report. Like, what have you done? What, what's your leadership? Yeah, like? accountability. Your grades? Exactly. And so. And in that, right, I'm in this organization, I'm learning how to interview, I'm learning how to put my narrative together, my story together to be able to talk about the skills right. that I have. And uh, look, and it wasn't a fairy tale story. It's not like I met ExxonMobil once and boom, I was in. I had to interview with them three times. I got told no twice. And on that third time, I was able to land an internship. Uh, with them wow. as a fixed equipment engineer in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Yeah. So that was my first kind of internship I got with them. And this was the summer of 2010. And so I went to Louisiana and that had its own set. That's a whole other story. In and of itself. Yeah, a whole other story. <laughs> but you got in. That was your foot in the door. After being rejected twice, the third time you got your foot in the door with that Louisiana internship. That's correct. And so yeah. I, I went out to the bayou uh, for that summer 
and I did good. Uh, I did very well. Yeah. And, and so that, right, that was the summer of 10. So the fall of 2011. And so this is the, I got my fall semester, my spring semester, my senior year. So I got a whole, still my last year of college. That night before the first day of classes, I got a call from the plant manager in Baton Rouge of the chemical, uh, the chemical plant over there and says, Hey, uh, we would like to offer you a full-time offer after you finish. Uh, your college. Uh, so wow. I wow. Had, I had a full-time offer uh, with still two whole semesters left. And that was like... The, Before you even graduated. Yeah. And that was like a weight lifted off of my shoulders for sure. Man. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure. Because the number one question you get, and I'm sure if you're watching this, you're a student. Number one question you get your last year, your last two semesters, like, hey, what's next? Yeah. What's your plan? But you were able to kind of like have that weight lifted off like... Oh, I'm going to work for ExxonMobil. <laughs> That's I, already I had done that deal. One. I was still like talking to others, but I had like this in my back pocket, right? I didn't have to sweat for it during sure. like fall career fair or like spring career fair. I just was like lock in, finish up, keep the GPA going and so on. And then I was sure. able to go over. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love it, man. Y'all, this is Manny De La Cruz. Tell us about his story, how he got into a career at Exxon. Um, give us just a few things you learned. What are one or two things that you learned from that experience of how you successfully landed the job that you now pass on to students that you are also mentoring so, from, from all that you just shared? Yeah. So the number one thing I tell people is that it's not it's not the quick game. I know it sounds cliche, but don't wait there. You're going to hear stories of folks that like, hey, yeah, I just happened to walk in on the, a career fair. I talked to one person and boom, I ended up with an internship. That is not right. the case all the time. You have to. Yeah. Uh, the biggest lesson I learned was, hey, understanding that there has to be a long game, right? You have to say a long you game. Have, you have to be okay. willing to like put time, meet, make a relationship with recruiters, hear them out, right? And every year, as you're in college, not only are your book smarts getting bigger, but you as and your personal growth that has to change. You cannot be the same person as a freshman as you are as a senior, or in my case, a super senior, because I did the five-year plan. Oh, same here. Same here. No no shame. No shame. <laughs> no shame. Well, hey, man, in other words, you're saying um, you can't always go for the end zone. You got to be satisfied often with getting a few yards here and there because it's not about that existing drive. It's about the whole game. It's about the long game. If I can borrow some analogies or what. People may be familiar with at this time. In this Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday, uh, an athletic uh, analogy is only right, for sure. There you for go. Sure. There you go. Shout out to Lenore Porter, who happens to be in that city of Miami that supposedly something's going on down there. Shout out to you, Lenore. Thanks for the love. Thanks for it. This is awesome. Hope you're having a good time down there. Manny De La Cruz. Manny, you were a part of the STEM Success Summit back in November. I remember when we launched it, STEM Media, we were like, hey, it's coming soon. We were letting everybody know that it's underway. And you reached out to me personally. You, you know, you're like, hey, I, I like what's, what's about to happen. I want to be a part of it. Can I, you know, let me know what I could do? And I remember I told you, um, you know, just bring the energy. That was like, yeah. for sure, just bring the energy, bring the engagement. And you did not disappoint. And so when I, when I experienced that and then I see, like, just your background, how you are passionate for helping students and helping people like land internships and jobs. Um, what is it that really sparks that passion in you? Like where, where did you get the desire to now help others? Right. It was one thing to make sure your family was straight, make sure you got this career, you could pay the bills, but where does your passion to, um, to help others? Where did that come from? So look, and, and that's a great question. I love this one. So, and this kind of will work as we start talking about transitioning into that early career. Right. So again, I got my yeah. offer in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Okay. I'm from San Antonio, okay. Texas. I had moved out west to California, but I had never uh, been out to Louisiana before. And I'm, you know, I'm Hispanic and I took it for granted that in, Sa in San Antonio, right, I lived in a community of 60, 70% Hispanic. When I went over to Louisiana, and now I'm a 29 year old at that time, and that was the first time that I was like really uh, looking around and there isn't a very big Hispanic, there isn't a, a very big Hispanic yeah. population in Louisiana, let alone within uh, ExxonMobil at, at the plants. And so then at right. that point, I started to really think about uh, how much my group of Mayas and shit meant to me. 
and how uh, uh, having others that were sharing in that experience that initially I could like I could relate to and, and kind of form an identity group with that was that was huge, right? So I saw it right. in hindsight now. Uh, it, it, I can see the value of having that identity group uh, initially. So now when I look inside it, and then I start getting into recruitment with, inside the company, and I start seeing just in general how low the number of underrepresented minorities. And so just so those that don't, I'm talking about underrepresented minorities, I mean, Latinos, African-Americans and Native Americans specifically. Yeah, absolutely. Those, yeah. Those numbers are, are tiny. They're growing, but they're small. And then I start thinking about, mm -hmm. man, if I was look, I tell those that know me and, and who get to know me. And when I'm telling you, I used to work at restaurants and, and, and I was cleaning floors at warehouses and I was selling coupon books door to door. And, and then I was able to get enough mentorship to get an engineering degree. I'm like, man, if I can do it, I just mm -hmm. feel strongly that anybody can do it. And so I get a lot of uh, motivation and passion from being able to teach somebody how to navigate this, uh, navigate this, what I call a STEM career. And I know that yeah. the biggest, I said, one of the biggest disadvantages can be is when you don't have that jump start within your house. Meaning my parents, they did everything they could. They did right by me and my siblings and whatnot, but they didn't have the skills to prepare me to navigate through this. So I thought those are right. kind of some of the, 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 the gaps that I'm trying to fill uh, with what I, with what I do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I always say, man, it is, there's something inspiring about inspiring. And the fact that you say it gave you a lot of passion and motivation to then help other people. It was very like perpetual and symbiotic in the process. And I related that like heavily. I would definitely resonate with that. That's why still media exists, you know, to elevate and inspire, to elevate others at the same time, elevate ourselves and then inspiring others. You then cause more elevation. And so, um, I definitely like what you said there about that particular passion. And I understand y'all, uh, Manny has worked a little bit in your career as an engineering recruiter, just to kind of get into that topic a little bit. So you started out doing more technical related things, and I guess you spent some time in recruiting. Um, what can you tell us about the mind of a recruiter? Like, well, first of all, how did you make that transition? How did you get into that role? And then in that role, what are some of the things we, as people on the job market may find valuable to know that you learn from your time in that, that position. And, and I still do. And I'll be clear, like one thing that's been constant throughout my entire career is minority recruiting. So I still. So you've always, that. it's always been throughout. It's a thread. I, I think since uh, by my second year. So I've been doing recruiting for about seven years with the company. Okay. Um, but yeah, so how did I get into that? So. Remember, I told you I got into uh, ExxonMobil because of the ExxonMobil recruiting team that went to Mayas. And so once, okay. I, and once okay. I got in and I had about a couple of years under my belt and I, I kind of got squared away with what the heck I was supposed to do, I was invited mm -hmm. by uh, my friend John Flores to be on his team. The same guy that recruited me said, hey, can you uh, have you thought about recruiting? Uh, my supervisors were supportive and I was like, yeah, sure. So my very first gig as a recruiter was, you know, when, when you go to career fair, there's a couple of roles that are happening there. One of them is the, is the, what I'll call the, the screener, right? There's somebody who's there in their head. They've been told, Hey, well, these are the targets that we're hiring, the types of disciplines okay. that we, we have, the areas that were available. We're looking for a certain GPA and then, Hey, mm -hmm. uh, they're just screeners. And so the screener will have a, uh, of course, needs to know something about the company and, and they're very open. They're just kind of there representing the company and, and answering some basic questions, right? So I was like, Hey, yep, I've been with ExxonMobil for like a year or two. And hey, real quick, just to jump in, you said they should know something about the company, the person. No, no, no you're me. talking about that's part of what they're screening for. No, 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 I'm sorry. The per, I was describing the role of that screener, right? The role they of have, the person. Gotcha. Yeah. So you're talking to someone at the initially at the table and this is a, an early can be like in our case. We have this early career people that can speak to the right. company a little bit. They don't have the full understanding, yeah. but enough to say, Hey, I'm not that far away from you. Let tell me about your story. Yeah. But that was Relatable. Just a, yep. So that was just a screener position. And then nowadays I'm more of like a co-team captain, which I'll do actually do the interviewing of uh, candidates okay. and then work with the organizations that we're at 
uh, as far as uh, giving feedback to how the career fair went, et cetera, so on and so forth. But you said, okay, so what are some things that I that I learned or maybe, I guess maybe more like a, some tips or whatnot for those folks that are- Right, like insight. We, we want to get an insight into the mind of the person that we're talking to on the other side of the table at the career fair. And some of these, these are not, uh, I would all say, uh, mind-blowing. Yes, you've heard some of these, but they're true and tested and they work. First of all, you got to take the time to get that resume right. Okay? Your first, okay. Your first shot- at telling your story is on paper. And you have to understand that I tell folks, think of that eight and a half piece, eight and a half by 11 piece of paper right. as extremely valuable real estate. Okay. Okay. So if you had a piece of property that was worth gold, are you just going to throw up a shanty tent in there? No, you're probably going to put in a nice house and take care of it and, and put a fence around it and so on. So the resume has to be that way. So what does that mentality right. do? It makes you think about what do you put on it? Every, to me, every line in that resume, every piece of text, every skill that you put in there or experience has to say something about your story and not just be there because, well, career services said I should put a list of things that I've done. Right. It should have, a, fact, yeah. it should yeah. have a purpose and a meaning, right? As to why that portion is there. And so what I see is that folks go to you know, they take the time. They're saying, yep, I did some research and I went to career services and I just followed the template or, hey, yeah, I went to Word and saw resume templates and started filling it out. Yeah, just or, copy that. Or I saw, you know, a, a webcast by Dr. Nehemiah and Manny and I just kind of halfway <laughs> put some stuff on paper. Right. So you, and you can tell. Like they have five bullet points, so I'm going to put five bullet points. I'm right. going to do whatever I saw there. Yeah, that kind of thing, yeah. And, and, and as a recruiter, <laughs> look, and, and the longer I do this, the more you can tell just by either the, the – I can tell, right, you put some in front of me, I can tell you which one's a Mac template, which one's a Word template. You just start, it's repetition, it's rep. So the first one is, hey, hey, yeah, do the resume, not with the intention of just do, doing it because that's what you're supposed to do, but really as the first stab at you explaining what you have to offer. So the second thing that goes with that is now your, okay. your, your verbal communication of that resume. This is when we start spilling into that. You'll hear people talk about elevator pitches. And so I'm not going to say, pitch, yeah, yeah, I'm not going to say it should be your 90 second, but if I was to say, you know, say I'm a recruiter and I'm like, Hey, Manny, tell me something about, tell me about who you are that I, if from my resume, I should be able to use it as an outline. This is my opinion. Use it as an outline to from, to kind of talk about what I have to offer. Right. And if you, and if you're thinking about your resume and your, let's call it your elevator pitch. As two things that need to be, uh, that, that need to jive together, then you really start mm -hmm. to, uh, put some structure to, to those items. And so what ends up happening okay. is like, it, 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 when, if someone has a stellar resume and they have a, you know, a 3.7 GPA, honors this, honors that, three or four internships, you know, they're uh -huh. president of their club, they speak multiple languages and that ask them, Hey, so, Tell me about that internship. And if they do not have a way to talk about verbally about those experiences, it's not always a deal breaker, but it does start to right. just think there's somebody else that's going for that same position that has both things online. Does that make like, sense? Like, do you think, yeah, it makes perfect sense. Like, let me think, like, let me ask, do you all think sometimes like, oh man, like, did they even really do anything at the internship if they can't talk about it? Like, do you be kind of begin to start questioning if that even carried that much weight as they try to maybe present it on their resume yeah, when so, they can't talk about it? Yeah, so someone might put something like, hey, you know, uh, led a group to increase sales by $10,000 and developed a, an extensive program. to, And you, they start putting very, like, I mean, these are some big school words that they're putting in these bullet points. And it's like, all right, so Manny, tell me, so what did you do exactly while you were there? And it's right. like, oh, uh, I mean, I want to hear that. Look, I went in there. They asked me to put this spreadsheet together and run these tests. I had no idea what that was about. So I read about what was, you know, what the item was. And then I spoke to five or six different people to see what they thought about this topic. And I also realized that not only are the subject matter experts important, but so are the technicians and the operators and the welders. So I went to go talk right, to right, them. Right, right, right. And so this is, 
And so this is the type of examples that you want people to be able to vocalize when they tell you, oh, I did this internship at ABC company versus like for sure versus some folks like you were saying it's like well th this is it it's right here this is the bullet points and it's like well <laughs> but i need you to tell me whether or not right i need to hear it from you because otherwise it could be again a manny or a dr nehemiah got a hold of you and told you what to put and made you sound good you just right? copied and paste something yeah 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 and again, for sure for sure y'all give him some hearts man give manny some hearts he, he's dropping a lot of jewels right now um, hey, we got Mr. Fascinate, oh, Justin Schaefer. We have another royalty, one of our uh, royalty in today. the house, Mr. Fascinate. How you doing? <laughs> hey, look. I, Yo, I, thanks for coming through. Definitely, definitely. We had Stephanie come through earlier, too. Shout out to everybody watching this. Thanks for the hearts. Manny is dropping jewels about engineering recruiting. You're talking about getting that resume right, not just putting stuff on there because you saw it somewhere else, but making sure it's everything's there for a purpose, treating it as valuable real estate and then verbally having your pitch down being able to articulate who you are what you do and even aspects of different things of, uh regarding your experience in a way that is convincing and very that shows depth is that fair to say manny showing depth beyond what you uh just put in paper and put in your nice little sentence and it, and it is and that and the big key right a recruiter is there and again to put, give you the mindset right so i'm there i need them like in my case i'm there i'm looking for a mechanical engineer to go work at a plant. That's a couple of things mm -hmm. going on in my head. I need to make sure that this person is going to be able to do the mechanical engineering. They're going to be able to work in a plant. Hey, like, for example, if I'm looking for somebody in Baton Rouge. I know that I need them to go, come from New York City and go talk to inspectors who are, you know, the most native of Cajun people, and they got to be able yeah. to communicate, right? So I got a lot of skills that I'm looking for. And so now right. I'm looking to ask the individual some questions and it really helps when they're able to connect the dots for me. And it's not always right. just internships too. I'll tell you a story. Like when I first got my internship, my narrative, and again, this was, and I'm always huge to say this was because of strong mentors that helped me put my narrative together. But like my right. experiences were coming from waiting tables at Texas Landing Cattle, being a service manager at Break Check. And so when they said, hey, tell mm -hmm. me about a time when you had to work with a difficult, uh, a difficult person, how did you navigate that? Look, I'm talking about customer service and customer complaints, waiting tables, and, you know, it's a Friday night and it was busy and yeah. I made a mistake and I forgot to put an order in and an entire family was there celebrating for graduation. Everybody was mad. Instead of running away, I owned it. I apologized. I apologized to the host and then I did everything I could to make it right. Well, I just went right. from like, okay, though so this that can be translated and say, well, look, this guy gets in a too. bind, yeah. if they get in a bind, they're not going to shy away from it and make it the manager's problem. Absolutely, right? So, absolutely. So, so and, and so that kind of explanation of your skills and your experiences is completely different. And I'll tell you, when I first started, I was like, hey, John, I wait tables. He's like, well, what yeah, else? Yeah. So, and I keep, <laughs> it I, is keep what it is. Yeah. I keep going back to the plug is I didn't do this bomb. I didn't just wake up one day and know how to put it together. I got help. Right. Anyway, so absolutely, absolutely. No, that's good. Thanks for the hearts coming through. Uh, the hearts are showing love. I appreciate that. Um, Manny, we got a question. Let Noah throw through a question in there. She said, How would you follow up with the engineering or with the recruiter afterwards? Maybe following them on LinkedIn, reaching out via email. That's a good question. Tell us a little about what what are the do's and don'ts when it comes to the follow up game after that that maybe that career fair or that networking event. Yeah, and look, and first, it's always fair I would say to ask the question. Hey, like, I, and I love people do it to me. Hey, can I follow up with you after this? Just to kind of either you know, some people will say, can I just follow up with you afterwards? And I'm like, yes, yeah, sure. So me personally, my preference is on LinkedIn. So if anybody follows okay. me. It's a lot easier for you to get a hold of me on LinkedIn than in my work email. And the only reason is because I work in this corporation. And if we get external emails, they go straight to junk mail. I'm never going to see them. So I tell folks, hey, get okay. a hold of me on LinkedIn. And then, yeah, if you, I say if at that point, if you ask, right, and someone says, yeah, here's an email, here's a phone number, follow me on LinkedIn. Great. That is now a green light for you to do it. But now that it's there, okay. you also have to understand that the person on this side, right? Like I'm not, this isn't Manny De La Cruz's oil and gas company. It's ExxonMobil. So you can ask whatever you want. <laughs> that doesn't mean I can always answer, right? 
So, but right. so just think <laughs> about just think about the questions that you're going to ask. And I would say any kind of question of like, hey, what's my status? Where are we at? Those are all fair. But if you start, you yeah. can, depending on, and I tend to be pretty a pretty open book. So if someone says, hey, what could I have done, or why wasn't I, uh, why why did I get passed on, and so on. Uh, that now starts getting into the type of questions that if you're going to ask those, just make sure you have that kind of relationship with somebody, right? You can't okay. just meet somebody the first time they interview you. And then two days later, or, or let's say a, a month later, when you get the, Hey, there's no opportunity for you today. You call that person up and say, Hey, I, I demand for you to tell me how I could have done better. <laughs> Cause I mean, people are people, right? So not everybody wants right. to get into uncomfortable conversations. So just be mindful of that. Now, if you want to build the type of relationship where you can ask somebody that question is the long game, right? So remember, again, I have people that I've been, that I'll mentor for two, three years that when they call me and when we have these conversations, then I have trust now that this person is not going to go burn me or say, hey, this recruiter from Exxon Mobile, hashtag Exxon Mobile, whatever, like blast me on the internet. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Like we got, we got to think about right, some of right, those right. things. There's a risk on your end too. Yeah. Yeah. So just be mindful of, of, of the questions that you're going to ask. And if you want to get the more real relationships, put the time to build the network and the mentorship and, and the mentorship. Got you. Got you. Don't, don't be a bugaboo. Is but, what I'm hearing in so many words. Yeah. And now here's <laughs> the other thing. If, so, if you ask and they say, yes, go ahead, contact me. Then do it because when you don't, you also lose credibility, right? I don't know how many okay. times someone says, "Hey, can I reach out?" or "Hey, can I follow mm. up with you?" And you're mm. like, "Yeah," like especially for someone like myself that 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 wants to do this, and you put it out there, and then they never get in contact or they never take advantage, mm. and then they want to see you at the next event and do make the same mistakes and then ask you why again. I mean, it's like if if someone is gonna put it out there and say, "Hey, let me help you." then you have to engage, right? That is a good point, man. A very good point because now you kind of create an expectation. Like, hey, can I shoot you an email? And they're like, yeah, shoot me an email. And then like the email never comes. It's like, uh, were you just playing games? Like that follow-up, particularly when you've been given the green light, is important to do. It's almost a must at that point or you're going to lose credibility, like you're saying. And maybe credibility yes. was probably maybe the strong, too, too strong of the word. Cause in reality, it's like there's so many things going on and you, you just end up getting forgotten about. Or I would yeah. say more, maybe, yeah, I think credibility was the wrong word. You lose an opportunity. You lose an opportunity okay. to get some help and to get some feedback and to get some questions answered from someone who was actually willing and wanted to, to do that. Now, let's say that you ask somebody and I guess we talked about the willing. What if you if you start seeing, you know, you ask them, hey, can I have a card or can I get an email or can I get a number? Or let's say I've had people do this before. I know some colleagues and for whatever reason, they're, they, they'd rather keep the buffer, right? Like, hey, just email the, the, the official channels and they'll say, right, right, know, right. I, I see interactions with students and they'll say, hey, can I have your email? And they're like, no, I, I don't get my email out. Or can I have a card? Oh, I don't have one. And like the student doesn't get the hint, <laughs> right? Like there's a, there's a, there's a, there's an element there. That sometimes you just got to really listen and, and understand whether or not that person wants to uh, play ball like that or not, right? So, sounds like dating a little bit, man. Sounds like dating. Like, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> you get a couple of, like, excuses. You're like, oh, okay. I guess guess oh. this ain't going to happen. They give you six <laughs> Let's digits. Let's go move on. Yeah, six digits or whatever. <laughs> Anyways. I feel you. I feel you. So, but you're saying calling is okay. And I bring that up because I think Lenore followed up and said, all right, sometimes people are, like, never on Instagram on LinkedIn and some people are like kind of dark on social media. Like, is it okay to maybe throw a word in with maybe somebody, you know, that works there or, you know, cold call, like what are some of the things that are fair and maybe unfair when a person may not have had the opportunity to say, Hey, can I follow up? But at the same time, they're trying to stand out. They want to like re-engage. No, what are some things other than LinkedIn? If you have an established network, right? Like if you know somebody internally or if you've had some uh, past conversations with other recruiters, absolutely bring that up, right? Because it does, okay. that, uh, that does uh, mean something, right? I know for us, I'll just speak from for my experience. When I talk to somebody and they start, for example, I see them at the ship conference and they say, hey, I go to uh, UT Austin or, or whatever U of H. And there's some schools where we have a, a recruiting presence as a company at that school, right? We have an assigned team. So when they start telling me there, hey, I go to, you know, I go to UT or U of H and I know the such and such T 
team captain and I've spoken to them and I'm here and I'm I'm really trying to yeah, get next okay. on mobile. Well, then that starts to it, it, it is different, right? Because now in the back of my head, I know who those team captains are. And if I don't I know, I can reach out. I, if I'm considering them as part of getting them in through ship, I can definitely or definitely would say, hey, you know, hey, so and so this person says they, they, they've interacted with you in Austin. What has your experience been like? So absolutely. If you are building this this network. Uh, of, of different employees that you're meeting from relationship or whatever, then yeah, you make yeah. it easy for us to connect each other, right? You tell us, you, you say, sure. yeah. Uh, but what what, That's is, awesome. what can get a little bit off is, you know, if I was to get pick up, if this, if I was to get a phone call from, you know, some call the front desk at, at downstairs at Exxon Mobile headquarters and says so and so from some random school is trying to get a hold of you. Man, that's uh, that's a little bit different, right? Because especially if I don't know who you are or so on. I, I'm big with the social media, so like I always think going on LinkedIn. If you were to put in mechanical engineer and then I'll just say Exxon Mobil, you're gonna get a, a whole list of people, right? Right. And sometimes you can even see they'll tell you like when was the last time they were active, right? So you can get an idea of who's there. So if you wanted sure. to do some like cold. Calling in LinkedIn, I think that's fair. Do it respectfully. Hey, I'm so and so from such and such school. I I know right. you're, you're. I see that you're a mechanical engineer at Exxon Mobil. Uh, if you had the time, I'd love to talk to you about what it's like to be an engineer there. That's very okay. Yeah. So that's very easy. That's fair. Yeah, respectfully though, you exactly. have to be respectful. With and it. at that point, that person, like, I mean, if they're willing to share, they will. And if not, then hey. Then whatever, move on. There's probably you're gonna you're gonna meet, try. Yeah, you're gonna meet yeah. somebody that's gonna want to talk to you for sure. Right, right, right. I got a question, man, and we come in here towards the end. But my question is something that I know other people can relate to. Let's say you are just looking for the come up, right? Like you are out there, kind of like how you had a job offer already on the table, but you still talk to other people, and essentially you're just trying to see who the highest, highest bidder is out there. Now you have a pool of people who you don't mind working for. It's like, hey, I can do this, I can do this, I can do that. But now the differentiating factor for you as a job seeker is, all right, who's who has the bigger bag? You know what I mean? Like, and so as a recruiter, is that one hundred percent taboo? Is there a respectful way to kind of like court when it's like, hey, I have this in my back pocket, but I'm trying to see if you got the bigger, better deal over <laughs> here? Like, how can you manage that? You know, or or even if you're working, right? And I want you to definitely say that. Like, if you actually have a job and you're on the job, what are the ways to kind of go back to where, all right, I'm not desperate right now, but I'm trying to see if there's something a little bit better out there. Well, how would, how would you as a recruiter prefer somebody to go about that? So some of that, first, I tell folks, hey, you got to understand, and, and it's hard to know what your current situation is and what your own value is, right? I'm going to talk, okay, yep. talk, talk both extremes. Okay, let's say you know... Okay. Hey, you've been, you know, you've been talking to Dr. Nehemiah and Manny. They've been your personal coaches. You got your narrative down. You've been able to land all these internships. You continue to get, you know, scholarship over scholarship. You're the top of your game. Uh, yep. Don't ever, ever, ever put yourself in a position where you're being seen as arrogant. You always have to keep mm -hmm. yourself humble. Uh, so, let's, right. you know, let's go with being humble or whatnot. But, hey, look, at that point, I'd say... You, and this is hard for culturally for, for, for us. And I'm going to say just underrepresented minorities because we're taught not to, not to, you know, try and be, uh, so conceited at times, right? Like, especially right. for a Latino, it's like, hey, don't go out there trying to act like you're better than everybody else. But in some cases, totally. look, in this case, if you've put in the work and you know your worth, like own it, feel proud of what you do. So if you are in those fine, in that final stretch where, you aren't entertaining multiple offers. One, I say be proud of that because you've done it. You've earned that. Uh, okay. Two, keep your humbleness while you're navigating that. And then certainly uh, you need to sit there and, and, and be comfortable enough to, to bring it up in conversation. So what are some of the do? So it, uh, and it's very <laughs> fair for you to be interviewing with somebody. And I've had folks that do that to me and say, hey, Especially if you're interested in them. Look, I'm still very, I'm very much interested in working for your company. I just want you to know that I do have a pending offer with another company that has a deadline of such and such. Just say it, right? Now, if that company was to say, well, forget you, then I'm like, well, would, yeah. you, would you even really want to work with them in, the, in that case, right? 
if it, okay, right? You get what I'm saying? Like, if I was to tell somebody, hey, I have another offer, and they're like, well, you know, forget you. Why don't you just, I, I should have never wasted my time then. That's probably a company you didn't right. want to be with anyways. More than likely, what's going to happen is someone's just going to say, you know, thank you for letting me know, right? And it does, I tell folks in those situations, let somebody know that you that you have those kind of offers pending because then it just, it can put some, a priority, right? Or, or kind of put some fire under the decision. A little bit it's, of pressure. It's leverage. It's leverage. Yeah, especially if that person really likes you, right? If, if I was to meet somebody yeah. and I'm like, this is it. This is my number one pick for ship this year. I want to get them into ExxonMobil, but they got a pending offer with ABC Company. Guess what I'm going to go do to my team? I got this hot diamond that's ready to go. Yep. They, they're, they're lining up and they got, we got to get in touch with them by such and such date. That's something that we would do. Now, remember I said, Hey, I started this conversation by saying, know what your worth is, right? So you have to do some yeah. introspective thinking and really understand. Now, if you're on the other side and you're barely getting by and you still have a lot of growth to do, then maybe you need to be a little bit more careful as to how you come off. But again, if you're right, in a position right. where you do have those offers, Again, I still say in those cases, know know what you have, be proud of it, and say know something. your word. Yeah, don't shy away. No, that's good. That's I mean, good. And, and look, if you already have a job, though, like speak on that real quick. Like if a person is, I guess they say passively looking yeah. and they're already working. What about that? Like, is that a way? Is there a right or wrong way to do that? Like, as far as softly looking, I think in this day and age, look, it used to be at one point where like job hopping was a bad thing. I don't think it is nowadays, right? I think uh, okay, definitely. If you're answering a a, a, a job posting that says experience, looking for experience, uh, I think on our end, I'll just say recruiters, more than likely the person that we're talking to is employed right now. And, right. And, they have- uh, and we make an assumption. Well, we don't even get into that, I would say, at the beginning. You're going to interview or whatever. And at some point when it comes down to accepting an offer and if and, and usually recruiters or companies are going to know that you probably need to give a two-week notice or whatever before you part ways because no one's looking for you to burn any kind of bridges. Again, if you're up against the ropes with the company who's making you, like putting the pressure on you, like you got to quit today, and then you really, I would I would recommend to somebody to really think about whether or not that's the company they really want to line up with. You get what I'm saying? Gotcha. Like, because I yeah. would say I, I would want to work for a company who is who respects me and values me enough to not force me to burn bridges in the place that's been taken care of. Right, right. They got to respect your relationships and the goodwill that you already have in the industry. Yeah. No, that's good. That's good. That's good. Manny, this has been a great conversation, man. You found so many jewels. Speaking of webinars, like, we're going to have to set something up one day and get you on a webinar uh, one of these days because you got a lot of good info. Um, but go ahead and plug your podcast real quick as we get ready to say goodbye. They're going to kick us off in just a few seconds. But go ahead and plug your podcast. Yep. Let us know how we can follow you. And then, if you would, give us some parting words of wisdom before we say goodbye. Yeah, man. Look, so I did start a broadcast project just made for this to help people in STEM. It's called Manny Talks. You can find me on any uh, podcast platform, just Manny Talks. It'll pop up if you Google it. Uh, as far as following me, LinkedIn is the biggest place you can follow me on. Uh, look for Manny Dela Cruz. I'm going to pop up on some on the top. There's not a lot of us on there, apparently. Or you could also uh, search in LinkedIn for Manny Talks as well. And that'll pop okay. up. We're, if we're on Instagram, hey, follow me here, too, because I dump stuff here on Instagram. Uh, last, yeah. wor- last, last words of wisdom, man. Look, at some point, you need to get to where you really understand what introspective thinking means. And that's a term mm-hmm. that I've been I've been going around in my head for probably the last five years. And that means you have to take time somewhere. And, I, and some people do it daily. Some people do it quarterly or whatever to really think about where you're at with your personal growth, right? Where What you have to offer and what you need to improve on, right? If you are not happy with your current situation and you want to change it, you're not going to change it if you do not start to develop the skill of doing some introspective thinking. And that could be an entire one hour conversation because that takes a lot. It takes time and it takes honesty on your part to say, guess what? I'm good, but I am not perfect and I need help. And who, and I need to be humble enough to ask somebody for help. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, Manny. That's good. Thank you so much, man, for your time. Listen, you see, Viv's already giving you, you got hearts coming out. You got some hugs. 
Listen, man, I have the utmost respect for you, man. And I really just affirm everything you're doing. Thank you for just becoming a part of our community. Bro, it really means a lot. And I, I look forward to meeting you in person one day, man. Absolutely. So I can give you a nice big dab, big hug, man. Because I feel like we're so connected. We're both, we're like, we're kindred spirits in this in this uh, this work. I look forward. So thank you. I look forward to the next uh, STEM Media Summit for sure, man. For sure, for sure. Oh, it's I going mean, down. Yeah. It's going down this fall. Wink, wink. It's going down. Shout out to everybody. I needed that. Viv, thank you so much. Sure. Y'all give us some hearts on the way out. Give us some love. We're going to see y'all uh, next week. And uh, you may resume your previously regularly scheduled program <laughs> if you're watching this. We'll catch y'all later. All right, Manny. Bye.